I want to kick off before my dad starts, and we have doors and we have um, step ladders and all the props. It helps to have church in a production studio, you guys. We can just go raid the studios and have all the props. Um, but today, here's what we want to share about, is I want to start us with this. Choose your hard. You may have heard this before, but everything in life is hard. When Elijah and I had our kids, it was hard to be disciplined early on. It was inconvenient to be consistent and disciplined early on. But it's hard to have undisciplined or disrespectful children. So you choose your hard. It's hard to be generous as a family. But it's also hard to try to do it on our own. So you choose your hard. And so today as we go into this concept of legacy and inheritance, I hope that you will start this whole thing off with that. Choose your hard. Because it's going to be hard. And there's going to be things that my parents have done creating a legacy for Elijah and I to build upon that now we're building for Zion and Anae. But there are some hard decisions that they made. There are some more hard decisions that we've made. And so I hope that as we go today, you don't look at this and say, well, I mean, like, that sounds good for them, but that's, like, really hard. It is hard. Like, let's just own it. It's really hard. I just talked about going to the gym. It's hard to get up and go to the gym. But it's also hard to have no energy. So I had to choose my hard. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But my dad has these doors out here that he has for us to talk about, and he's going to call me out as a parent. <laughs> we, uh, we brought these from uh, being on their patio the night back up here in the storage room, and I, uh, we were laughing. I think Ashley was probably 17, and uh, uh, she was upset about something, you know, typical teenager thing, and she went running up the stairs into her room and slammed her door. And so uh, I went upstairs open the door, I take my drill with me, I pop the hinges off, I uh, took the door and took it to the basement. She comes out screaming, what are you doing with my door? She says, I said, you don't like the door? I said, I'll take it. She says, I don't need my door. I says, it's not your door, it's my door. See, we live by a rule in our house. The man who makes the gold is the man who makes the rules. And since I was making all the gold, I, I told her, I said, I make the rules. And so I, I, and she goes, uh, how am I supposed to change? I says, I'd probably try the bathroom or back in your closet uh, for things if you want uh, privacy, different things. And, but I said, a, a door is a privilege around here. It's not a, a right that you have. And I just, I didn't get mad. I just left it there. And uh, she, she got really mad. And she told me she was leaving. She was tired of this family. And I said, fine, <laughs> leave your keys, <laughs> leave my credit card, uh, leave my phone. <laughs> And uh, I said, you're welcome to make whatever choices you want to make. Because what I knew was the most important thing was that uh, you have to choose every moment of your life. And you do have to choose hard things. You know, we always want to say there's an easy way and there's a hard way. No, well, sometimes there's both hard ways. It's really choosing the right way and uh, what's the right thing. And so uh, I, I got a scripture here I want to read that we've always lived our life by in our family. It's out of Joshua 24, verses 14 through 15. And it's where uh, uh, Joshua's at the end of, after they've conquered most of the land there in Israel, and he's coming to the end of his leadership. 
and he says, in verse 15, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, he just said, you know, if you want to go back, serve the gods that you served in, in Egypt, the gods of your forefathers, you want to do that, fine. He said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I encourage you to make that choice early. See, that choice was, was made for me and set an example for me by my dad. Uh, my dad was a, a very simple man, only had a third grade education. Uh, he worked hard. Uh, I, you know, I'm one of 15 kids, so I was number 11 in line. So I was on down the line a little bit, so some of the stories of the early days and what happened before my dad became a Christian, uh, I've, got a, I, you know, I've got those stories from other people. Uh, my dad was, uh, you know, expected you to work, as he always said, when you work, work hard, and when you play, you play hard, and don't ever confuse the two. Uh, just uh, do your job. Uh, I found out my dad, uh, on my dad's side, the Kryling side, there is no spiritual heritage. There's nobody before him I could find of his German ancestry. Uh, you know, and they'd been in the country from uh, uh, early 1700s. There is no spiritual heritage that I can find on that side of the family. None. In 1935, my dad was 24 years old, and a street preacher came to a little town in central Missouri where my dad lived for sales, and he uh, led my dad to the Lord. Now, to understand there, it wasn't that my dad was a bad man or that my dad was a good man. My dad was just 24 years old. Uh, basically, they called him a functioning alcoholic in the fact that he drank all the time and he fought all the time. I mean, that's just, you know, that was kind of in his blood and his heritage. That's just the way he lived. And uh, whenever he got uh, saved, uh, you know, and this street preacher decided to build a church uh, there. At that time, nobody wanted a Pentecostal church in the, in the town there, and so people would try to stop it. They were remodeling an old theater like this, and, uh, you know, so as they're doing that, my dad would uh, sleep in the theater at nights because other people would try to tear it up or to burn it down because they didn't want a church there, and, uh, you know, uh, people used to tell me that my dad did it because it, uh, he could still serve the Lord, and it gave him an excuse to still fight, and uh, over time, God continued to do a work, changing uh, my uh, my dad, my mom, uh, you know, she had great spiritual heritage. Pastors back in the lineage, and uh, when the two of them uh, got married, I mean, you know, you're talking about total opposites as a family. I mean, my dad really didn't have family or anything like that. He was really pretty much on his own, really never knew much of uh, my family on the Kryling side. But, uh, you know, they established a heritage, and, and you know, uh, my dad raised me with a lot of simple principles. Uh, my dad's understanding was that the Bible said it, in black and white, you just do it. If it was in red and white, you don't even get to debate about it. I mean, that was as much theology as he had. And you know what I've learned? I've got all the degrees, and I've been to Bible college, seminary, everything. You know what I've learned? That's enough theology to carry you all the way through. If the Bible says it, just do it. And if it's red and white, or the words Jesus said, don't even debate about it. Just do it, just live it. So that's, that's the heritage that... Uh, I was raised in of what we're going to serve. 
And uh, last week, Elijah spoke about uh, obedience produces overflow. Uh, in uh, Deuteronomy 28, Elijah, I don't know if I gave this to you last night. If, if not, you can look it up. But it's Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. And uh, it's Moses speaking to the Israelites at the end, just like Joshua was this time. Moses, probably around 45, 50 years earlier, is saying uh, goodbye to the children of Israel. He's no longer going to be the leader. Joshua's going to become the leader. And uh, he's speaking to them, and he says, if you, in verse 1 there, Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. See, that scripture and what Elijah says up there, obedience leads to overflow. That's all we're called to do. If the Bible says it, just obey it. it, it it's hard, but it's not difficult. It's pretty simple. It's just hard to live every day. Believe me, I still work on living it every day. I wish I could say, man, I have finally conquered it, and I don't have any more struggles. Uh, that's where I'm thankful for the grace of God, because I know there are day and time those struggles will be over. And you know when it will be over? When I breathe either my last breath here or the Lord <laughs> calls me home through the rapture. <laughs> that's what it will be. Until then, there's no difference between any of us. And, and, you know, for my dad, you know, he lived it faithfully all of his lives. Uh, you know, we put the doors up here, and I said, the doors we walk through, and we were talking to Ashley and I last night, decide the blessing that we live in tomorrow. I live in my dad's blessing. He was first generation. I'm second. Ashley's third. See, Sherry, my wife, is the same way. Her dad, nobody would have ever thought uh, her dad, George, would ever accomplish anything. There's no spiritual heritage on that side. But it's what the Lord can change in a life. And just simple obedience to the word. And, you know, on her mom's side, yeah, you've got great, the great heritage also. But that, because of that, actually becomes third generation in there. And uh, the story continues to uh, Zion and Ane. And so I want to encourage you in that. Sometimes you may say, I don't have a lot of spiritual heritage on my, in my family. You can't change the past. Everything in the Bible is about from this day forward. Every time... <laughs> Lord say something to somebody, he'd say, go and sin no more. It wasn't, okay, you got to somehow outwork that, what you did. Or man, what you've got in your family, you've got to somehow, if you can just work hard enough, do enough good things. You don't ever work your way to heaven. You can't ever work good enough and work hard enough to ever deserve heaven. We get it because of uh, God sending his son to die on a cross for our sins because of his grace extended into our lives. And quite often people will ask and say, well, then how far can I live away from God and still make heaven? I don't know that answer because it's not in the Bible. The Bible's all about how close we get to live to God. It's never how far can you go away. So therefore, whatever I, I say to people, it's like, hey, just start from today. Just move one step closer. Just one thing. Make one decision. I'm going to live for the Lord. And when you fail, get up and start walking again because that's the one thing the Lord always says to us. The Holy Spirit always says from this day forward. Don't ever believe the lie of Satan that will tell you, well, you've gone too far, or because of your family heritage, or because of the mistakes you've made. I am so thankful I serve a God that doesn't deal in the past. He only cares about my future.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, really cool story about my grandfather. Tell them about his with the church. So he had this like God moment, right? Turned his life around, had 15 kids living on a farm. But tell them about the church in the Philippines. Well, my dad uh, worked all the time. I mean, you know, we worked hard on the farm. Uh, I was telling uh, Zion on A the other day, I only missed one day of school in my life. Sixth grade, I was sick. And I stayed home and was even still staying home. I just had to work on the farm. You know, I was too sick to go to school, but I wasn't too sick to work. And I decided I, I was never too sick to go to school again. I mean, I was like, it's, it, was, it was easier and better than any day, you know, working on the, on the farm. But, uh, you know, my dad was driving trucks over the road. Sometimes he'd drive, uh, haul freight at night. He'd deliver freight during the day. We'd work. When my dad would go to church and sit there, and I remember that when I was younger, him going uh, to church with us. And then I remembered he didn't. Well, what happened, and I was probably about too young to remember that, but uh, my dad, because he would go on about two or three hours sleep a day, whenever he would sit down, he would fall asleep in church. I don't know. Anybody else ever fall asleep in church? <laughs> hey, I believe if, if, it's, if you need a place to rest, that's the best place to rest in the presence of the Lord, you know, so if you're tired, go ahead and come. But some pastor embarrassed him, and so, uh, you know, about falling asleep. And my dad felt really bad about having fallen asleep. So he didn't go back until he retired, and that was in 1973. He retired from the, from the truck line, and he was back at church, and there was this missionary who was there named Warner Miles, who was building churches in the Philippines. And he was told people, he said, you can build a church in the Philippines, our church good, there in Versailles, said for $2,500, you could build a church, a small church that would be constructed there in the Philippines, and have church, and he was raising money for that. And so our church took up an offering and was doing it. Well, the next day on Monday, my, my dad comes home, and he tells us, he says, I went to the bank today, and I borrowed $2,500 because I, I felt like the Lord wanted us as a family to build a church in the Philippines. Now, 15 kids, we are dirt poor. And, you know, he, he borrowed it just on his name, a signature loan, which, you know, he didn't even thought of in the day of time, just because it's like he was just a man of his word. So he's going to pay it back. And I remember getting so upset. I was 16 years old, and... And I'm mad at him. How could you do that? What are you doing? I mean, 16, the one thing I wanted was money for a car. I mean, golly, $500, $1,000 to buy you a decent car back in that day and time. And I was so frustrated and upset. And I chewed him out. And he said, well, I thought if anybody would understand, Phil, it would be you. And I said, you don't know anything about God's will or what God wants. And I, I mean, it was just merciful. I remember him leaving the dinner table. And, and it, was, it was terrible the way I was as a 16-year-old. But as our uh, sows start having pigs a year, instead of a normal litter, which we'd have 10, 12, 15 uh, pigs in a litter, uh, we were having 20, 25. It was crazy. We had pigs running all over the farm. And uh, we're buying feed, and we're feeding them, and like you do. And, and, you know, sometimes you just barely get by. Well, in that fall, whenever they sold, whenever it came time to sell, the stock market went crazy, okay? Not stock market like everybody thinks of in the city, okay, with uh, stocks. Stock market like cows, pigs, okay, stock. And uh, uh, went for almost, it tripled almost in price in that time. And uh, we sold pigs, I mean, more pigs than we'd ever had. And, and we cleaned up, okay? We didn't become rich. We just went from being dirt poor to probably somewhere in the middle class. Uh, I remember Dad giving us uh, uh, drive money, <laughs> the car, different things. Paid off the debt on the farm. We never paid anything but interest. It was it was incredible, what was uh, done, and and God just honored his. I mean, easily he paid off the twenty five hundred dollar loan that he had taken out, 
six months earlier, and it was it was just it was God's blessing on his life, just a step of faithfulness that none of the rest of us were in favor of, but he felt like the Lord had told him to do. I never Elijah was talking last week about obedience leads to overflowing. He had a deer up here and the money in our hand. I says, you know, it's not so much that we scatter it. God just pours blessing in our lives that it just overflows and it flows into other people's lives. And see, we always talk about money. I wish somehow we could get off of that subject because it's not just money. I mean, God isn't that impressed with money. If he paves the streets of heaven with gold, he's really not too impressed whenever you start using it for asphalt, okay? He's not real impressed with all our money or how much money we would have. Yeah, we should be faithful. It's just something tangible we can see and can say, okay, I'm giving 10%. I'm being tangible. But faithfulness is about just doing whatever God asks you to do. It's taking that step of faith. In my dad's case, it was taking out a $2,500 signature loan that his idea was he would just work hard enough, whatever jobs he had to, to pay it back. But as it was, God overly blessed us and continued to. And, and the crazy thing is, uh, this will make sense for anybody raised on a farm, and probably a lot of you weren't. Uh, it got so everybody started to breed their hogs at the same time as my dad, because after that, every time we sold, we hit the market. I mean, uh, the market was just up whenever we sold, it'd be back down. And it got so everybody around said, uh, realized it and said, whoa, we're going to breed our hogs so that they'll have uh, pigs this time, and they'll have, because it just seems to be. You know, you have no idea what kind of a testimony you're giving off to people just by your faithfulness. For my dad, he's just a pig farmer. That's all he was. But you know what? God uses anybody and everybody to bless and to speak into somebody else's life. Wherever you're at, God wants to use you, and he's going to overflow the blessing he's pouring into your life to touch somebody else and to speak into their lives that you maybe will never know about until heaven. Yeah, we, um, my dad and I were talking this weekend, and we wrote down three things that we want to share with you just to create this legacy. And so if you want to take these notes, the first thing we wrote down is priorities. And I wrote this, what you build today, you'll live in tomorrow. And I really got the picture of a house, like whether it's Lincoln Logs or a dollhouse, whatever you want to picture, but putting those little walls together. And I remember Elijah and I, every time, you know, Anne would want stuff for Christmas, and, you know, you're like always at night putting these things together and building them and stuff. But I started to think about this in our families and in our legacy, and I really do feel grateful. And I tell my parents now, obviously, early on, I was not so fond of the discipline and everything that I had to live in. But now I say thank you so much to my parents all the time because I'm like, Thank you for raising me like this. Thank you for keeping my priorities in order. Thank you for challenging me in that. And I encourage you, what you're building right now, you're going to live in tomorrow. And if you can envision a house, putting together a little house kit or Lincoln Logs. Zion loved Lincoln Logs when he was little. You're building these walls of grace. You're building walls of forgiveness. You're building walls of faith. You're building walls of truth. You're building doors that are going to keep things in or out of your house. And so what you're building today in your business, in your family, is what you're going to live in tomorrow. And as my dad and I were talking about this, I had this crazy mental picture because sometimes I think we think of a house as only what we're in. Like, I'm in the blessing and the overflow of that life as we've made our own choices. I'm grateful that my parents raised us in a life and a family of forgiveness. 
like I said earlier, forgiveness is hard. There's so many things Elijah and I have been through that I could justify the reasons to not have to forgive. But ultimately, it's my choice to live in that freedom when I choose to live in forgiveness. But even beyond the house that you're building and what you're living in, I also think that sometimes what we build is what keeps other things out. And, you know, the world is crazy and things can spin and things can circle. And Elijah and I say, you know, we have built a life of truth. We have built a life of love. We have built a life of grace and faith. That does numbers for us in our marriage to keep other things out. To say, I don't have to worry about this because I have a husband I trust. I have a husband that I love. My kids have a safe place of forgiveness and grace. They're going to make a lot of mistakes, and I made a lot of mistakes. And my dad was like, I just want the kids to fail here, me and my brother. He was like, I want them to fail within this house so that they can have a safe place to learn, a safe place, not fail, like that sounds like you're speaking, but like, you know what I mean, you guys get it, you're going to make mistakes, and I think for all of us, whether you have a family, whether you're looking in your relationship, maybe it's your business, some of you know Elijah and I have a creative agency, there are certain boundaries we've set up, and certain cultures that we have fought for in our team that are non negotiable. Generosity and impact is non-negotiable in our agency. And if that's not in line with you, that's not changing. You probably shouldn't work here because these are things that are built. But why? Because it keeps certain things out of our company. We don't deal with jealousy. We don't deal with greed. Why? Because our team is laser focused on priorities of impact. Our family is laser focused on generosity. Oftentimes the kids, will, my parents will be like, what do you guys want for Christmas? I don't even know. Like, because they, they live with a life of generosity and it's the priorities that you set and I wrote this down, and I want you to write this question down, because I hope this is a Monday morning question for you tomorrow and all week. I wrote, you won't succeed at everything you go after, so what do you want to win at? What do you want to win at? In the priorities and the legacy that you're going to leave, what matters to you? There's conversations that Elijah and I have had to sit, and we sit down in our house every Sunday night. And we talk about our week and we'll go through what we have to do, where are the kids, where are we going, all the things. But we have priorities that we build in. We intentionally build in a date night. We intentionally build in family time. And can I tell you this? It's hard owning a company to say no to certain things. It's hard to do that. But we've chosen our priority is and forever will be family. It's hard to justify why we're investing in different impact missions around the city. But you know what? We decided that, so it's a non-negotiable. And I would ask you to sit down and say, what do I want to win at? Because when you decide what you want to win at, when my parents decided, hey, this, and I, I truly do, I don't just say this because he's here, I'm so grateful to them for the life that they modeled and for the priorities that they set. My mom, and I've told some of you this, my mom was like, my dad and I are like people people. We would bring like 100 people over to the house for a pool party on a Sunday and be like, we're on our way from church. And God bless my mom. She had cookies ready and she was making lunch and she was getting all the things. But you know what? It was a priority of having a home 
that was welcoming and open. Because I, and I could cry now, but like, I had a lot of friends that didn't have that. And I had a lot of friends that their families weren't welcoming and maybe they weren't encouraging. And I count that a blessing that that was a priority in our house, that I could invite friends into our house that didn't have parents that cared about them or cared where they were or what time it was. And it was bringing them in. And so I challenge you this week, what do you want to win at? What are the things that matter to you in your family, relationships, business that are priorities? Yeah, I, uh, it'd probably be a good time to say I'm thankful for my wife. Uh, she made me look like a success. I, I was too busy building churches and chasing everything around the world, and, and we planted like nine churches out of our, our church, and it was just always go, go, go. And, and uh, somehow she, she convinced the kids that I walked on water, even though there's a lot of times she'd like to have drowned me in that water that we were walking on. But, uh, so, you know, it, uh, we always laugh because uh, we'll – this December we will have been married 39 years and uh, we always uh, joke because sometimes the counseling people people say oh man I just want to have a marriage like you all have and we look at them and say I don't think you're tough enough to have a marriage like we have because uh, you all seem to wimp out at every little thing I mean it, you know it's just it's just staying it's being faithful it's just just doing it uh, day after day after day but uh, you know and, and that kind of leads to the next part uh, there's a verse in Jeremiah 29 11 that we love to read. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. See, it's good in life to have perspective. And being this many years down the road, I'll be 67 also in December. Uh, I, I celebrate my anniversary and my birthday on the same day. I, I got my kind of thinking and planning ahead there. But in looking back over the 67 years and having uh, spent all my life in, uh, in church, uh, and I'm not sad about that. Uh, I was born on a Saturday night, December 29th, 1956. You want to check on your calendar and go back. Uh, my mom had got done milking the cows. I am, uh, 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 she's pregnant. We go into the gun clinic, this little clinic in the town there. We lived out on the farm, and uh, nine o'clock, uh, somebody else was in there and the doctor says move that person out uh, my mom had it down to a science by then they said I was born about 9 30 we were back home by about 10 15 and the next morning we were in church and uh, you know I, I've lived my life there and it doesn't mean I've lived a life sheltered or anything by any means I haven't but uh, I'm thankful that my testimony is I, I just I've learned to trust the Lord at the early age I've struggled with things I've, I've had difficulties but the one thing I know is that God has always been faithful. And he writes that verse in there to them, and, and he's saying they're about to be captured by the Babylonians, the uh, city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel is. And as they're surrounded on all sides, God had told Jeremiah back in, I think it was 16, 17 chapter, uh, or Jeremiah, to, uh, I know it's actually a little later, 32, I think it is. He tells Jeremiah to go by this field that's already under Babylonian control. It's out of, out of the city. He says, uh, your uncle's going to come and offer to sell you that field. Buy it. Why? You know, he said, God had already told him, no, nobody's coming back to Jerusalem for 70 years. Jeremiah is never going to use that field. But he says to buy it for your future generations. I want to encourage you, in everything you do, do it for the next generation. 
the generation after you. You know, we live in such a selfish world that it's all about me. Well, what's God going to do for me? See, if we would live looking and always saying straight across for our next generation, uh, anybody around us, you know, the Lord talks about that often, but what it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And what else? Love your neighbor as yourself. And out of that, he goes into the parable about the Good Samaritan, what it is to, to share and to care about somebody else. It's always looking at others. See, it's God's responsibility to take care of me. He's given me a responsibility to take care of others. And, and uh, that's something really simple that I understand. But in this, uh, Jeremiah, as he's writing here in 2911, back before that in verses 5, 6, 7, he says there, he says, you know, he says, settle down in the city where you're going to go to. He says, for your sons and daughters, have them get married. Have children. Buy land, build land, where you're at. Do whatever you can, whatever you would. He says, because if that city that I carry you to prospers, you're going to prosper. See, God wants to bless people. Again, we always think of just money. But man, there's such a blessing in just hope and faith and peace and love. I mean, go read the fruit of the Spirit. What the eight fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, uh, faithless, self-control. There's not money in there. Money isn't going to make it to heaven. It's not, you know, God knows what we need. Use it for him. I mean, take care of it. Enjoy his blessings. Don't ever feel guilty about how he blesses you. Just realize that it's going to be so much, it's just going to flow into everybody's lives. And that's great. But he says, and do that. He says, because I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and a future. See, what I would give to be able to impress on each one of you to know, God knows everything about you. God loves you. And you're not here by accident. See, I heard the story as it was growing. I watched, actually she was growing up. I watched her write down what she was looking for in a guy. I saw whenever God brought Elijah into her life. And I remember whenever Elijah came and asked us if he could, uh, he could marry my daughter. And my wife had told me, you know what he's going to ask us, so be nice. And he asked us and I said, that's very nice, Elijah, but no thank you. Sherry kicks me, and I said, that sounded nice. I was thinking, I love my daughter. I don't want to give my daughter away, but I couldn't give her away to a better guy. I'm excited. But, you know, I've watched them both grow, and I've watched them serve in youth ministry. I watched them come to place and come to Philadelphia and uh, feeling called that God had told them they were to be here for the impact they were going to make in people's lives. And I remember Elijah telling me, I don't know that God is telling me to build a church. He's calling me to transform a city. See, so often we want to just build a church that kind of is our name or, you know, do, but the per perspective is looking at and saying, no, what has the Lord called you to? And I've watched them be faithful in their lives and I've watched them bless. And I've got to meet some of you all. And I've watched God bless in your lives. And I think, I wish you could somehow be older and a little wiser and to look and say, you know what? God's going to bless. Tell Mike and Nancy, I've watched you all. And I think for this, maybe that's given to you all. And, you know, you're planning out for a future, and, and I see other parents in here, and, and so is Blunt, and, and, you know, what you've done in raising your kids and what impact they've had in our lives, and, and you know, just around Aiden, and, and, and you know, I, I see so many, and, and Elsa, you're here from Mexico, and I always will tease and torment her all the time around, but all the different ones, I'm thinking, God guides your steps. You're not 
doing anything by accident. Now, you can make choices. There's doors set before you. You can come to it and either choose this door. And there's sometimes you'll come and there's two doors. And you may even have, say, I don't know really which one to do, Lord. And I pray. And whenever I put my hand on the doorknob, I say, I feel like this is the right choice, Lord. If it's not, hold it shut tight on me. <laughs> Walk through. Because I don't want to live outside of your blessing. I'm asking, I just, really in this situation, I don't totally know. And yet as I stepped through, I told Elijah, we were putting up the doors last night, two doors, I said, because every time I think, okay, I now step through the door and I step totally into his blessing, it's like he has two more. Uh, there's a guy, Hobby Lobby, David Green, who, you know, and he, he does a lot of things uh, out of Oklahoma City, was in the Assembly of God Church and, and uh, different things he's done. But he's got a quote that I just love. He says, if we're not careful, we can spend our lives building things that just don't matter. And he always said, building Hobby Lobby isn't what matters to me. My family's what matters. So I want to encourage you. Build others. You know, build your family. Build your friends. Build your relationships. Because that's all you get to take to heaven with you. I've done hundreds of funerals. There ain't any money in the coffin. It isn't going anywhere else. We talk about inheritance. And yeah, we're going to give it to the next generation. But more than that, I want to give a godly inheritance to my kids, to my grandkids, if the Lord gives me enough time for that, but uh, uh, perspective, you know, uh, live with that in mind, live with eternity in mind. Every decision, I just think, okay, what's the best decision I can make? And then you know what, after I make it, I say, Lord bless it. And it, Sean, if you'll come, the third thing we want to share about is the promise. And Revelation 3, 7 through 13 talks about the church in Philadelphia which is incredible because it's the only church in Revelation where it's not a rebuke, it's actually a blessing. And bringing it back to these doors, it says, and if you want to go there with me, Revelation 3, 7 says, to the angel in the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no man can shut, and what he shuts, no man can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are out of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but they are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Thank <laughs> you.